Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, look down upon us in this sacred hour. May we find ourselves held in the crosshairs of your Holy Spirit. The one who reveals truth and appoints us to Jesus. May he reside in those who will hear and in the heart and the mind of the one who will speak. Amen. Providence is real. It is no accident. When one witnesses the working of God in one's own life and in the lives of those we might love, it is a companion story to the good news of the gospel. What God has done for you and what he is showing you through his word. The world needs to know that providence is not a fantasy. That God is not a fairy tale. I have such a companion story. It happened to someone I love. They are both deceased now. But before they died, they gave me an example of what it means to love God. I don't know how it happened, but my grandfather and my father got access to a coal mine. I don't know if it was no longer worked by a commercial entity or it was just sitting there waiting for somebody to grab the coal, I don't know. But coal is big in western Pennsylvania. And so there they found themselves one day, I guess wanting to be entrepreneurs or whatever, and they were gathering coal in this remote mine. It was a small mine. And as they were shoveling together and talking to each other as they often did. They heard what they thought they heard <laughs> was someone approaching the mine, a motor or something, a car running. And they knew that they were the only ones that were in the area and the only ones that probably should have been there. And so they stopped to listen. And then they heard no yoo-hoos, hellos, or anything like that. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. No problem. I didn't know where you are, but I have. People can't hear me?
Thank you. No problem. And so as they were standing there listening for someone to say something, nothing happened, no one said anything. So they continued to work. And they were shoveling and going about their business and talking. And then they heard what they thought they heard again. And so they stopped and listened. But nothing happened. No one came to the door of the mine to say anything. They went back working. And then the third time, my grandfather says, well, let's go out here and see what this is all about. And so they left together. They went out there. And when they arrived at the opening of the mine and they looked all around, there was nothing. No one. But they had heard this mine, this, this motor over and over again. Or they thought they heard a motor. Well, we don't know what that was all about. So they went back into the mine. And the place where they were standing had caved in. Providence. God's interference with human nature and human beings. People who love him have a great ally. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was an epoch of belief. It was an epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. So begins the famous tale of two cities written by the author Charles Dickinson some 160 years ago. While this anaphoric and poetic intro begins Dickens' insightful foray into the framework of the French Revolution, I believe it is a sobering prophecy that depicts the present. And with a tip of my hat to Mr. Dickens, let me paraphrase. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. It is the age of wisdom. It is the age of foolishness. It is an epoch of belief. It is an epoch of incredulity. It is the season of light. It is a season of darkness. It is the spring of hope. It is the winter of despair. 
We have everything before us. We have nothing before us. We're all going to heaven or we're all going the other way. In this best and worst of times, civility resides in a very small box. While we may recall numerous exhibits of this tragedy in our daily interactions, for a prime example of civility short supply, we need look no further than our representative government. The Congress of the greatest nation in the world finds it no longer in vogue to agree to disagree agreeably. Senators and representatives find it all too easy to adopt an it's my way or the highway mantra. If you don't see it my way, you surely must not love America. And your opposing opinion is a sign of your suffering from lack of mental capacity. Reminds me of a gentleman who once gloated, me and my wife are one, and I'm the one. His pledge of marital allegiance was slightly skewed. One marriage under a thumb with liberty and justice for one. Bipartisan bickering abounds. Government is stagnant. Things that could get done don't get done. And the question goes begging. Who will fix our roads and bridges, reduce the cost of our health care? Who will wake up the nation from its pharmaceutical nightmare? And who, with unclouded vision, will recognize that poor people really do exist? These are the best of times. These are the worst of times. It is the season of light. It is the season of darkness. In these times, cable news giants tasked with the job of keeping the public informed, tiptoe around the outstretched arms of objectivity to take on the likeness of the Soviet-era news media, assuming a focus that is ever-partisan and unyielding. In this winter of despair, passengers on Alaskan cruise ships Stand amazed as they witness huge chunks of glaciers, glaciers fall into the sea. While the beloved polar bears of the Arctic, so etched in the American psyche, idolized in commercial and children's stories, find it increasingly difficult to survive. A news re report says seals have a high calorie blubber that satisfies the high energy demands of polar bears. That food source is not easily replaced. Anthony Pagano, the U.S. Geological Survey, said that even scavenging for leftovers, which often consists mostly of seal muscle, does not contribute enough calories to fuel a polar bear. 
If the polar bears are cut off from seals, they may not survive. The report goes on to say, that seems to be what's happening. Melting ice in the wake of climate change is exacerbating the already natural high demands of polar bears. As Arctic sea ice retreats more and more, seals become harder to hunt. The polar bears have to travel further to catch the seals, which uses more energy. John Whiteman, professor of biology at the University of New Mexico says, I really want to emphasize that as a species, there isn't an alternative. They are seal-eating species. It's what they do. Without sea ice, they won't persist as a species. And then there are those who say there is no such thing as climate change and attribute anything observed as such as the only earmark of cyclical change in nature that has happened for thousands of years. No need for alarm. It is the season of light. It is a season of darkness. The book of Daniel proclaims that in the time of the end, knowledge shall be increased and men shall run to and fro. It is the age of wisdom. It is the age of foolishness. One would agree that wisdom is the appropriate and correct use of knowledge. But it appears that our knowledge is increasing so fast that our wisdom on how to use it has been outpaced. The field of biometric technology may offer great rewards, but could prove to be a Trojan horse ally for the criminal and the unscrupulous. A recent AARP magazine report states increasingly Biometric data that recognizes your body, your voice, and even your habits are replacing passwords. In an effort to make our devices and online accounts more secure. Computers can distinguish unique vocal sounds and speech patterns. And other forms of biometric technology are on the horizon. Even your heartbeat read through an electrocardiogram on a smartwatch could soon be used as a unique personal identifier. Good technology in the hands of good people with good intentions is fine. But everybody is not good. In these times, in these best of times, in these worst of times, in this epic of belief, in this epic of incredulity, the quality of our relationships in the community and in the church have not gone unmarred. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So says Newton. I might add, that when the demand for respect and brotherly love does not find itself in the best of times, it will, in the worst of times, not only demand, 
but force into play replicas of that which it has been denied. The grand pendulums of the alternative sexual lifestyle and Me Too movements have swung far to the left with a vengeance because people, by their words and actions, did not show golden rule love to other people the way they ought. Christian people, by their words and actions, did not show golden rule love to other people the way they ought. Men did not act like gentlemen. Christian men did not act like gentlemen the way they ought. In this season of light, in this season of darkness, the diehard church-going traditionalists have found themselves in the crosshairs of the millennial wave, a wave whose constituents witness the hypocrisy of the unfaithful and say to themselves, who is God that I should worship him? And even if I do accept the fact that God is relevant, what law or mandate requires us to worship him in the same manner as you? In this best and worst of times, who would have thought that they would be behind the good news of a declining divorce rate? Albeit, the good news is tempered by a rise in cohabitation, accompanied by an errant philosophy that marriage is a, an achievement rather than a sacrament. I'll work on my BA, my MA, my MBA, my CPA, my MD, my PhD, my JD, and then my ML, marriage license. <laughs> and life goes on, business as usual. In these times, this age, this epoch, this season, this spring, this winter, green eggs and ham, Twitter and Instagram, smartphones and flying drones, prosperity preachers, fortune seekers, campaign trails, Black Friday sales, homicides and diatribes, icons and idols, bistros and brothels, driving while black, opioids and crack, White sand beaches and security breaches. Snail mail and email. Shy girls and fly girls. Hot men and hit men. Easter egg baskets and funeral caskets. 
when I return, the world will be as indifferent to the things of God as the people were in Noah's day. They ate and drank and married everything just as usual right up to the day when Noah went into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and brimstone rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Charles Dickens refrains, we had everything before us, we had nothing before us, we were all going direct to heaven or we are all going direct the other way. The lyricist Ruth K. James Jones reminds us, all around us, who are eating and drinking and marrying and building and planting and carrying on business as usual. Preoccupied with what is and unaware of what is to come. In their mission and their mindset, they echo the words of the ancient Pharaoh, I know not the Lord. I don't know that the God I don't know loves me. I don't know that, the, that I need to be saved. I don't know what it is I need to be saved from. I don't know that salvation even exists. E.G. White, Australian Union record. Angels and men are to work in harmony to teach the truth of God to those who are unlearned therein. That they may be set free from the bonds of sin. It is the truth alone that makes men free. This liberty, this freedom, through the knowledge of truth, is to be proclaimed to every creature. Jesus Christ, God himself, the angels of heaven, are interested in this grand and holy work. Man has been given the exalted privilege of revealing the divine character by unselfishly engaging in the effort to rescue man from the pit of ruin into which he has plunged. Every human being who will submit to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit is to be used for the accomplishment of this divine conceived purpose. Christ is the head of his church and it will glorify him the more to have every portion of that church engaged in the work for the salvation of souls. Christ wants to save people. God himself wants to save people. The angels of heaven want to save people. They all want us 
to help them save people. They all want us to submit to the enlightening of the Holy Spirit because you can't give what you don't have. Ye shall have power, page 45. Without the Holy Spirit, without the breath of God, there is a torpidity of conscience, loss of spiritual life. Many who are without spiritual life have their names on the church records, but they are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. They may be joined to the church, but they are not, not united to the Lord. They may be diligent in the performance of a certain set of duties and may be regarded as living men, but many are among those who have a name that thou livest and are dead. A name that thou livest and are dead. This is a reference to John's poignant message to the church at Sardis. The NIV renders it, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. We must allow the Holy Spirit to arm us with holiness so that we can be the messengers of truth that God desires. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. John 1.12 And Paul, the consummate pastor, looks in on his Philippian flock and says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. In this best and worst of times, in this age of wisdom and foolishness, in this epic of belief and incredulity, in this season of light and darkness, in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, are you a shining light? Pen of inspiration. Christ was standing only a few steps from his heavenly throne when he gave his commission to his disciples and included as missionaries all who would believe on his name. If those who claim to have a living experience in the things of God had done their appointed duty as God ordained, the whole world would have been warned and the Lord Jesus would have come to our world with power and great glory. Jesus could have already come. So the question is, 
Are you holding up Jesus? Or are you holding Jesus up? Have you settled into the truth both intellectually and spiritually? Are you standing on the, on the rock or just trudging through the mud? Two things seem to be delaying Christ's return. Lackluster witness and lackluster walk. A lackluster walk will produce a lackluster witness. Jesus is coming. People need to know more than a few facts about him. The manger in Bethlehem is more than a celebratory excuse to have parties, exchange gifts, and get drunk at Christmas. They need to know what sin is. That the consequences of sin is eternal death. They need to know that Jesus is a life changer. He can give you humility in place of your insidious pride. He can give you a calm demeanor for your short fuse. He can heal relationships, conquer addictions, help you love your unlovable neighbors. People need to know that what is seen and experienced on this earth is not all there is. They need to know that the gift of God is eternal life in paradise. And that the only way you can get there is through Jesus. Perhaps the people in your sphere don't know any of these things. Because you are withering in your own walk. You can change that today. You can resolve to be bolder for Christ. There is a need for some serious soul searching. And I dare say that during that search, one would discover in him or herself a need for more holiness. The songwriter Paul Philip Bliss wrote a very moving hymn. It is suggested to both singer and instrumentalist that it be rendered prayerfully. One could easily think of it as a prayer set to music. And I would suggest that maybe each one of us should pray this prayer at least once each week. I invite you to join me in reading the words from the screen. More holiness give me. Isn't that a valuable thought? In this holiness journey, we are not without counsel and encouragement. 
The song says, more holiness give me. Counsel says, the love of God cherished in the heart and revealed in the words and acts will do more to elevate and ennoble human beings than all else can. In the life of Christ, this love found full and complete expression. On the cross, the Savior made an atonement for fallen, the fallen race. Holiness is the fruit of this sacrifice. It is because he has died for us that we are promised this great gift. And Christ longs to bestow this gift on us. He longs to make us partakers of his nature. He longs to save those who by sin have separated themselves from God. He calls upon them to choose his service, to give themselves wholly into his control, to learn from him how to do God's will. As we have repeated this prayer hymn today, I believe that many of you will set out to be bolder for Christ. As you do, ponder these words. There is nothing that Satan fears so much as that the people of God should clear away by removing every hindrance so that the Lord can pour out his spirit upon a languishing church and an impenitent congregation. Make the devil afraid. Dickens' words still echo in our ears. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us and nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. I say, as Christ's ambassadors, we offer the good news of salvation, the spring of hope, and the winter of despair. We have everything before us in his strength and in his care. Resolve to be bold for Christ this week. Let us pray. Loving Father, set your eyes upon this congregation that it might be about your business of mourning men and women who do not know you that salvation is available. Amen.